Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for this morning and um, the opportunities that you give us to serve you and to uh, glorify your name in this place. God, we, we pray for a blessing on this time in your word as we uh, seek to grow closer to you, that we uh, seek to, to become more like you. God, we pray that you will uh, speak to us this morning. God, I pray that you will challenge us, that you will prepare our hearts for your word and uh, the things that you want for us, the things that you desire for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week we launched a new series titled On Mission, and uh, this was an opportunity for us to uh, be thinking about what our mission as a church is and uh, who we are and what we're called to be. Uh, we are in a four-week series that is going to end on November 22nd, uh, which is our 50th anniversary of worshiping uh, in this room here. And uh, so we're going to spend some time talking about the future, talking and celebrating about uh, uh, who we are as a church, and really looking at the next 50 years to come and uh, what that can look like for us as, as a family. Uh, we don't have any slides today because we can't get the computer to work, so uh, if you could just turn that off, that would be great. Um, last week we talked about how to uh, be a part of the story of God, how, to, uh, how we are a piece of that story, and how this is a story that started at the very beginning of creation and continues on through the second coming of Jesus into the new creation, and how, how we are a part of this, that, that we are not uh, simply standing by ourselves in some other thing, but we are uh, in, in a place where, where we are continuing that story. We're active participants in it. And so God's plan from the very beginning was for us to, to create a was for him to, to create a community of people that would be a blessing to all the world. So he has this plan for us. And we're a part of this story. And, and throughout the story, we see him using ordinary, everyday kinds of people to carry out his mission. We see stories of people like Abraham, stories of, of people like Moses who, who were really nobodies or at worst they were terrible somebodies. And God chose to use them anyway to, to use for his mission. And so how encouraging is it for us as, as followers of Jesus to know that he can use the least to do great works in his kingdom. At the very center of, of the story, at the very climax, is Jesus, who is, is God in human flesh, who is, is being sent to rescue and redeem the world, who's bringing it back into relationship with God. And so the cross and the resurrection stand at the very center of that story. His mission and therefore our mission. And so as we go through the narrative of Scripture, there are, are two themes that really emerge. There's the theme of covenants. And so as we think about this theme of covenant, there is this covenant relationship between God the Father, and we gain a new, and, and through this, this uh, covenant, we, we gain a new identity. And because of that new identity, we're obedient to what God calls us into. 
We don't uh, be, we're not obedient to earn the love of the Father. Our obedience does not define who we are. It does not define our identity. Our identity comes from the Father. And because of that covenant relationship that he initiates with us, we, we follow him and his will. And so then the second theme that comes through is this idea of kingdom, that, that there is a king who, who sits on the throne. And as residents of the kingdom of God, we have this king, he's on his throne, and nothing is going to change that. And so we are, uh, but we're in a different, we have a different kind of king. We have a servant king, a king who lays down his life for us. And he invites us into the kingdom not to be subjects, but to be heirs. And after the resurrection, Jesus leaves his followers to return to the Father. But he, he leaves us with the authority to continue expanding the kingdom while he's gone. And so he sends a helper, the Holy Spirit, that, that gives us the power of the kingdom. And we operate in the kingdom not as passive members, not, who want, not ones that just show up, but as active ambassadors with the authority and power of Jesus himself. And so God is on a mission, and, and he isn't waiting for you. He's not waiting for me to, to, to carry out that mission. He is already at work, and he invites us to join in on that mission. And that invitation that reality is good news. We're talking about the mission of God, and, and that can make us feel a bit disconnected. It can make us feel like we're not a part of what's going on. It's, it's something too big for us. Most of us have thought that, that mission work is being sent somewhere else. It's someone else going to some other place. And we don't think of ourselves as missionaries in the kingdom. We don't think of ourselves as missionaries who are, are participating in the mission of God. We don't feel like we're part of God's mission. And it's probably because too often we have our own mission. I have Jason's mission and you have your mission. We have these individual missions. We're either seeking entertainment or comfort. We have the mission of, of working for wealth or personal advancement. We have this this mission of hoping for status and recognition, that becomes our mission. And so we feel disconnected from this mission from God. We like to be the boss of our own lives. We like to be the ones who are in control. And that becomes the mission of our lives. That becomes the focal point of what we do. And so it's challenging for us to try to juggle two different missions. We have to pick one. In the days of the king, when a battle was won, a, a messenger would ride into town and declare, good news, good news, the king is victorious. And as God's people, we have a mission to, to declare that good news, declaring that the king was victorious. That's good news. The battle is won. We have a mission to bring good news to the world, where bad news is all too common. We declare that the king has won. There is good news. And that good news is, is Jesus, the king who comes to fulfill the promises of Scripture. We call this the gospel. 
the good news. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 starts, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And so Jesus coming is good news for us. Jesus coming is, is declaration that he is the Messiah, that God sent his own son and God is with us. And Jesus is anointed as king and Jesus is on his throne. And that becomes very good news for us. In Britain, there's a, a tradition of whenever the queen is in residence, the flag flies above the palace that she's in. Similar to, to here, whenever the president is in the White House, the flag flies above the White House. And it says to the people, the king is on the throne. The, 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 the person in charge is present, and that is supposed to provide a sense of comfort, a sense of security, a sense of stability, that, that, that the queen, the king is on the throne. And so we have a king who's on the throne. He's reigning over his kingdom. He isn't on vacation. He isn't on sabbatical. He is present. He is on his throne. And nothing is going to overturn that. It doesn't matter who is elected president. It doesn't matter what wars are waged. It doesn't matter who attacks who. The king is on his throne and is victorious. So after Peter first confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus responds to Peter in this way in Matthew chapter 16. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is building up his church, and, and even hell itself cannot defeat him. It cannot overcome it. And so this should bring us great relief, especially as we enter into to, to challenging times, as, as we enter, enter into increasingly dark times, that the king is on the throne. Nothing will overturn the church. Not only is our king victorious and undefeatable, but this is a different kind of king. The king that we follow, the king that we that we are following is different. Jesus is a king who, who got down into the mess of humanity. He's a king who, who is the best king imaginable. This indescribable king who is, is different from all others. He reigns over a different kind of kingdom. And so our idea of kingdom, our idea, idea, our idea of rule and authority is completely shifted. It's completely turned upside down by Jesus. Culture tells us one view of what it means to live, but God gives us a different kind of kingdom living. Culture tells us to be first, but God says the last will be first and the first will be last. And culture tells us that we need to step over, to, over others to exalt ourselves. But God says, humble yourselves and be exalted. Culture says, do whatever makes you look best. But God says, take the worst seat at the table instead of the best. Culture says, your life is what's most important. And God says, consider yourselves better than others. Always, culture says always get what you want. God says die to your own desires. Culture says take care of yourself first and foremost. God says whoever loses his life, find it. 
Culture says maybe forgive, but don't forget. God says love and pray for your enemies. Culture says have nothing to do with those who are against you. God says bless those who persecute you. Culture says no one tells you what to do. But God says go further than what you're asked. And so we have this kingdom that is completely flipped upside down, that as, as we seek to be people on mission, the goals, the values, the priorities that are, that are kingdom-oriented are not worldly-oriented. It requires us to be drastically different from, from the world around us. And this is a way of living that is not a chore, it's not a burden, but this is, this is a kingdom way of living that is good news. That Jesus being on the throne, calling us into the kingdom of God, is good news for us. And Jesus leads us into the way of this kingdom. He, he leads us in by example as being a servant king. He provides an example for us. He provides inspiration for us. And he gives us something to strive toward as we seek to live the good news of the kingdom. The familiar text, Philippians chapter 2, gives us this incredible description of who Jesus is. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so our natural ideas of power and our natural ideas of, of authority and privilege, these things are all turned upside down in the kingdom of God. Those things that we would raise high are actually taken down low, and the things that we see as low are taken up high. And, and Jesus descends from heaven to save and serve us. He comes in, and, and that becomes great motivation for us. This passage isn't just describing how great Jesus is. It's describing what we're called to become. His example humbles us. And it, it, it calls us into serving those around us. It calls us into a different way of being. Knowing that the kingdom of God is, is different and, and that our king is different. And, and it's, it's, it's a completely different view from the fleshly world around us. It really causes us to, to examine our hearts. To think about who are we and, and what are the things that we prioritize how do, we, how do we stand up next to, to Jesus' heart of service? What are we being called into? What mission are we pursuing? What goal do we have and purpose do we have in our lives? What king are we pursuing? What is it that is our mission? Is it to make myself king? Is it, is it something that is, is my own desire instead of living our, instead of living our own mission and, and pers instead of living our own mission, the, the purpose and pleasure and sorry, <laughs> just stumbling over that sentence. All right, 
We need to be seeking to, to attain, we, we, we don't need to be seeking to attain our own glory. We're called to be a part of this greatest story, this great story. We're called to be a part of it. And we glorify the true and rightful King Jesus in our own lives. And so we have to repent for, for the ways that we've tried to make ourselves king. We have to repent of the ways uh, that we have pursued our own mission instead of God's mission. And we, we set aside our own preferences. When we, when we decide to become a part of the kingdom of God, we, we're making a decision to set aside our own preferences and we choose the preferences of God instead. We choose to follow God and His mission. And so this is what the gospel calls us to. This is, this is the gospel that is, is simple to get. The idea of Jesus coming to this earth to live and die and be, be resurrected again is, is a simple concept, and it's, but it's something that we continue to grow in deeper and deeper in through our life as disciples. Charles Hodge said, the gospel is so simple that small children can understand it. And it's so profound that, that studies by the wisest theologians will never exhaust its rich, riches. And so this is something that, that we teach our children, that small children can, can recite back to us, but it is something that goes so much further and has so much depth to it. The good news that, that God has sent his son to redeem us and that he sits on his own sits on his throne victorious and that his kingdom reigns it's a fairly easy intellectual idea to grasp but to really understand the grace of god to really understand what jesus has done for us and in us to really comprehend that if we really understand that we will be so compelled to join into his mission and declare that good news to others. Do we really understand the depth of what Jesus has done for us? We're motivated to be on mission, not because we will get some reward because we're on mission. We are motivated because of what Jesus has already done. And that drives us and gives us purpose as disciples of his. It calls us to be on mission. And so the gospel is our starting point for our mission. And it sustains us and empowers us. 1 Corinthians 15 now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised and on the third day and he was raised on the third day according to scripture. And so Paul tells us to to hold on to this gospel, hold on to this message of who Jesus is. It's what saves us and it's and that's of first importance. 
More than anything else we do as disciples is, is to hold on to that. More than our programs, more than our buildings, more than, than the things that we do in this building and around, and around this building, more than anything at all, we have to remember that in accordance with Scripture, meaning in accordance with the story of God that we're all a part of, Jesus died for our sins. He's buried and he was raised on the third day. And everything we are and everything that we do is built around that. Everything else becomes secondary. This is the core of who we are. This is what we believe and this is what drives us and this is what motivates us. This is what we are all about. And so do we really understand God's grace the more we understand what that really means, the more confident that we become. The more we're humbled by our sin, the more we realize our need for salvation, the more confident we become in Jesus and who he is. We have all the grace and all the mercy, the approval, the affirmation that we need because of Jesus. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in this time of need. And so we find ourselves in a time of need. We find ourselves wanting to know what, what the church is supposed to be about, what we as, as followers of Jesus are supposed to be about. And this message of mercy, this message of grace, that helps us in this time of need. That focuses us on everything that we do. And so as a church, as we, we define who we are for the next 50 years, we cannot and will not define ourselves anywhere outside of the reality of who Jesus is and the incredible gift of grace that we receive through him. Everything else we do is to point people toward that. The things that are not pointing, him, pointing people towards that are things that are getting in the way, that become our own missions, Becomes, become the things that, that are comfortable to us. They become the things that, that are the sacred cows that churches can't let go of because we like them. Are they pointing people to Jesus? Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and, and some time reflecting here. This is an opportunity for us to say, God, what are you saying to me? And spend some time processing, God, what are you saying to me? What, what is the message that I'm hearing here? What, what does it mean for me to be on mission, on God's mission? How do we see ourselves as missionaries in God's kingdom? Have we been pursuing our own mission instead of God's mission? How can we, how can we shift that? How can we adjust our priorities, adjust our desires, adjust the things that are in our lives where we are on God's mission, a part of what he's doing?
So we'll have the shepherds down front. You can spend some time praying with one another, uh, praying as a family, as a small group, as an individual. We will uh, spend some time asking God, what are you saying to me? What are you calling me into? We look at the people that God called into his work. And, and they are much less qualified than anyone in this room. We're all qualified to serve in the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for this morning and the, the opportunities that you give us to, to be challenged by your word. God, I pray that you will, will help us to hear your call. God, show us how you want each of us to uniquely work in your kingdom, to be, to be your missionaries, to be ones that, that are on, on, on what you want us to do. God, I pray that you will inspire us and that you will give us an imagination for what it means to be missionaries in this neighborhood, in this community. So God, we encourage one another and we lift one another up now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.